Welcome to Sidebar, a podcast for new lawyers and law students who want to keep their fingers on the pulse of what's happening in Canadian law. This is episode one, Commercial Awareness. What is it and why is it important? We're your hosts, Anton. And Tiffany. Hi, Anton. How are you? I'm good, Tiffany. How are you? Great, thanks. Great. So this is our very first Maiden Voyage podcast. Um, We've... We've been in touch for quite some time now, and I'm really happy and excited that this has finally got the opportunity to launch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I guess we should probably start with just introducing ourselves a little bit to our listeners. Welcome, listeners. Um, yeah. As I said, I'm Tiffany, and this is Antoine. Um, so, Antoine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah, absolutely. My name's uh, Anton Haswell, and I, um, I got my law degree from the UK at the University of Law, and um, I think Tiffany, it's fair to say that we both got some some interesting paths to Ooh. to law, um, and mine mine is still winding. Uh, I once I completed my LLB from the UK, I returned to Canada, and like most students, I think um, had visions of getting the NCAAs, NCAAs done as quickly as possible and beginning to practice. But what had happened was the University of Law. Um, approached me and asked me to do some business development work for them and recruiting future me's to the university in the UK. So I became acutely aware with, you know, the the transitions between uh, Canadian students going abroad and then Canadian students coming back. So uh, mm-hmm. quite a unique experience. And here I am, just started a company and uh, looking to help future internationally trained lawyers who's coming into Canada get ready for the NCA exams. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And that's kind of where I think our paths converged. So I'm Tiffany Salampa. I also did a LLB in the UK at City University of London, which is part of the University of London network. Um, And I stayed in the UK, so I did a two-year program and stayed there for an extra year working in insurance, which had been my prior career, my pre-law career, uh, and did the NCAs abroad. So I didn't come back to Canada and try to write them. I actually did them through the University of London, so I had that unique experience. Um, And then after completing the NCAs and working for a year, I decided to do my LLM at New York University of Law in New York City, which is where I am speaking to you from now. Um, and uh, and on the side, I run a, a blog, which some of you might be familiar with, called The Transition, which is all dedicated to helping students navigate the NCA process, the Canadian job market after the NCA process, and also just some of my random thoughts on law. Um, and so this podcast is kind of a verbal embodiment yeah. of some of my thoughts that are on the blog and hopefully a little bit extra too and so we're really excited to bring this to you listeners and uh, we hope it's going to be useful and I think today we're going to talk about why what the sort of the vision is for the podcast and why we started it uh, and why commercial awareness is important as you're embarking on your Canadian legal career. Exactly. Yeah. Now yeah, that's great, and hopefully this can be another platform for you, Tiffany, to share all your great ideas. I know your blog, <laughs> your blog's definitely well followed. I followed it as a law student as well, so um, I definitely you. encourage everybody to check that out too. Um, and yeah, you're right. So we're we're here to talk about commercial awareness, and that ties sort of nicely into why, or at least how we got motivated to yeah. even get into this podcast game itself is we found that for particularly for young lawyers, um, there's sort of this suggestion that you get out there and you network. Mm-hmm. And um, law is seen as, as a network-heavy sort of profession where you're meant mm-hmm. to 
you know, uh, dress up, go into the boardrooms and, and meet and greet people. But um, what we thought would be really useful for for students and for young lawyers would be to arm them with some some legal education or, or mm-hmm. legal tidbits and facts. And, and I think the first and foremost important thing would be to explain to the, everybody how important commercial awareness is and what it is, because I think we both spoke about the fact that we were in the UK and it's really, really widely regarded as something super important there, mm-hmm. um, but sort of not as well spoken about here in Canada. So, yeah, I mean, commercial awareness, I remember sort of landing in the UK and one of the first things I heard about was commercial mm-hmm. awareness, which was a little bit daunting as a, lost, a Canadian who was just entering sort of a new country and a new legal education world yeah. and being like, you're now expected to be aware of everything that's happening in the city so you can talk educated, you know, sound like you're educated when you talk to lawyers at networking events. And so it was kind of daunting, but you really get thrown into it in the UK. And it's something that's emphasized right off the start as important. Um, it is important in Canada too, uh, but it's not—it's not presented to students so in such a heavy-handed way. Um, it's a little bit more under the surface. Um, it's not something you have to talk about on articling or summer associate applications as much as it is in the UK, but it is still important. And so it's—it's it's, you know to put commercial awareness into sort of a short description is kind of everything you don't learn in law school or everything that's changing. You know, you go to law school, you read cases from hundreds of years ago or 10 years ago. Sometimes you read more recent stuff. But commercial awareness is really about knowing what's going on today, what's changing today, what lawyers are talking about today, either in the legal world or also in the markets that are adjacent to your practice area. So if you're an M&A lawyer, you want to know what's going on in sort of the M&A space. If you're an international arbitration, you know, the recent Uber case in Canada is going to be really important to you. So it's, it's about that. It's about really keeping, you know, you have the foundations from law school, but then you need to also be engaged in the conversation that's happening right now, today, second by second, minute by minute in the law profession. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, in the UK, it's a big part of training contract applications. When you when you go to apply for the articling equivalent in the UK, usually you're going to see a question on the application form about either asking you to legal research a specific topic or tell them something about, you know, something that's happening in the industry or a recent case that you read that you thought was interesting. Um, you know, all those kinds of questions show up and we don't have those in Canada. When you apply to articling, you just sort of send your cover letter off. You say maybe a line and a half about the firm and why you want to work there and why you're interested in this practice area. And then you move on and you talk about your credentials and why you're a great candidate. You don't have to spend a lot of time talking about, I read this interesting case, and and I think that you should know that I know about it because it's mm-hmm. important in this area. Um, but it is important in Canada in the sense that if you go to a networking event or you're trying to network with lawyers on your own, it's really great to have that perspective on what's happening and to understand what the person you're talking to is thinking about. Um, and, and is, is really like what's what's on top, what's top of mind for them? What is the case in their practice area or what is the policy development in their practice area that's keeping them up at night or that they're overjoyed about because it's a change that is long, you know, has been long in the works and now is finally coming to fruition. Um, so it's all about that. It's kind of just about immersing yourself in the industry you really want to be part of. Um, you know, it's not something you have to wait to be in practice to do. You can do it now while you're an NCA student, while you're a law student, or, you know, it's something you continue to do even as you're a junior articling student or, or a junior lawyer. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring it back, Tiffany, just to the beginning of what you were saying there mm-hmm. um, and wondering why you think there's 
this difference between the UK approach to commercial awareness and the expectation that they place on law students to be um, sort of little mini experts in it and versus in Canada it's not as blatantly required. Do you think it might be because the UK law student is younger when they begin their law degree and so there's there's more expectation that they learn law and the business of law more holistically, or I, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that because um, a lot of UK law students are coming straight out of high school, uh, they do need a little bit more guidance. There's a little bit more hand-holding, um, you know, whereas Canadian students have, you know, we, we did an undergrad first. We've kind of all been planning to go to law school for a little little while before we actually enter it. And so we've had some more time to think about and research the industry we're going into. Um, I also think that it's partly con uh, contributed to the fact that there is such a definitive break in the UK between barrister and solicitor. And because after your LLB, you kind of have to decide which track you're going on to. And solicitors are seen as the you know feet on the pavement, in the market kind of lawyers, whereas barristers are a little bit more academic, a little bit more removed and supposed to be thinking about, you know, deep legal issues uh, rather than working on, on transactions and having to engage with the business side of law. Um, I don't think that that's a fair distinction in Canada, obviously, because we don't have such a definitive break. And I think that commercial awareness is important no matter which side um, of law you're going to be working on, whether you're going to be a litigator or whether you're going to be a transactional lawyer, um, you know, knowing what's going on in the case law and knowing what's going on in the market that, that you're touching and, and dealing with is going to be important um, and, and helpful to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it is quite different, actually. I didn't know, and I'm sure somewhat similar situation for you, Tiffany, that when you do go to the UK, you do realize that um, while you think of law as one profession, it's, it's quite unique in that they are two separate paths and two completely separate mm -hmm. experiences in practicing law. You know, the solicitor route with the sort of the suits-esque mm -hmm. type experience and the barrister route where I remember going to an inn of court um, and it was sort of a Harry Potter-esque yeah. uh, vibe. <laughs> and uh, I remember one of, the, um, one of the exercises they had us go through and another sort of experience in, in a different sort of sense of commercial awareness is your ability to litigate as a barrister. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, it, it was quite stark contrast to me mm -hmm. in that you were saying, uh, if you're applying to be a solicitor and we can go through personal experience mm -hmm. in terms of you know our, our applications for training contracts, you're, you are required to know about the firm you're applying to and about the industry in general. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're a barrister, there's a lot of emphasis on the spoken word. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of the, the theory being you need to be intellectually bright mm -hmm. um, and you need to be able to convey complex legal matters quite easily. And so one of the, uh, mm -hmm. the interesting sort of uh, things they had us do was to they would point at somebody and ask you to um, defend uh, Little Red Riding Hood or something <laughs> like that. It, it was a really interesting experience and it really, really hammered home the fact that, yeah, this is different. This is not, yeah. you know, big building uh, transactional law. This yeah. is um, litigation is quite yeah. different in the UK. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite different. And I mean, that 
when I was applying to Gowlings, um, uh, training contract in Gowlings, mm-hmm. there were there were very specific firm based questions mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you were meant to comment on in two hundred and fifty words or less, mm-hmm. which is tricky. <laughs> and then, and then of course you were meant to comment on something in the industry. Yeah. And and there's a bit of uh, I know that, and you can speak to this too. Um, there's a bit of a talent involved in not just speaking about, you know, if you're applying to a firm that does a lot of work in M&A, mm-hmm. you may not want to just, you may not want to talk about um, the characteristics of the mining community in Africa, let's say. No. You know, you, it, it's a, it has to be industry relevant, but spur, yeah. but uh, firm relevant as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so I've got, like, I, mean, I pulled out some sample questions from um, training contracts that I applied to in the UK. Um, and so just sort of for our listeners' benefit, if you haven't been to the UK and you haven't gone through this, this is kind of what we're talking about. Um, so one of the questions that I saw was, based on your research, what do you understand to be the most significant challenge facing the firm at this current time? And what has made you choose that challenge? So that is you know, that's exactly what you're talking about, Anton, mm-hmm. is being a firm-specific question, but also an industry-specific question, and you're asked to marry the two. And yeah, you have to answer this in 250 words. Um, luckily, we don't have that in Canada. You're not expected to do that. And I remember writing my first set of cover letters to Canadian law firms, and I had a, a lawyer in Canada looking them over for me. And I had done this, like, huge paragraph on, like, this is why I want to join whatever firm it was, Tories, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is why I think your firm, like, I've seen you guys worked on this case, and you've done this, and this. And he was like, why do you have all this? This is not necessary. <laughs> and I was like, because that's how we have to do it in the UK. Like, you have to prove that you've done the research on the firm and you're not just applying to them on a whim and you have to prove that you know what what is going on in the industry and what specifically they deal with in that industry right. and, and what they've done in the past. Um, so luckily we don't have that. And I'm not suggesting, I don't think either of us are suggesting that we import that into the Canadian application no. process because it is yeah. it is a little bit of an exercise in like, can you market this firm in 250 words? Um, right, and you, exactly. And you do feel a little bit like you're telling the firm things that they already know about themselves and it feels very artificial. Um, Mm. But I think what we both got out of the experience was really um, skills on how to look at what's going on in the industry and import those into what happens in law and how it's going to affect law and how it's going to affect practice. Uh, And that is a skill that I, you know, as annoying as those training contract applications were, that is a skill that I'm I'm very glad that I developed in the UK and I think is very helpful for Canadian law students and international law students entering Canada to develop as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think at least I can speak from personal experience that um, when I was in first year law school, I didn't really know what a lawyer did, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to admit that. You know, like, I started a society, and part of the aim of the society was to help students altruistically, sure, but also selfishly, mm-hmm. uh, to learn about what exactly a partner within a Gowlings, let's say, does on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And I think that's invaluable to a law student who's looking at applying to law firms, you have to kind of be able to speak their language. And I think Uh there's a certain expectation, whether it's said or unsaid, let's say said in the UK and unsaid in Canada, Uh that that you do have an understanding of the kind of work you're in for Uh and and the kind of work the firm does. And um, it was interesting for me to learn you know, you can talk about high-level commercial awareness, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, a particular matter that, that a lawyer within a firm or a group of lawyers within a firm is working on is great. But even even if you dumb it down to the, what goes into that, you know, like mm-hmm. 
what is the lawyer doing? What what is the motivation of the lawyer? Does I mean, what what does a partner like all of these things were really interesting for me to learn about. So I think commercial mm-hmm. awareness is super broad mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really useful to learn how these firms operate and, and what the lawyers do within them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's an, a great point, because I think that what you hit on there is some of the some of the information you need to, to sound educated when you're at networking events is only going to come from the networking events themselves. You know, some of those some of those answers like what does a partner at this firm do on a day to day basis or what does a articling student at this firm do on a day to day basis? Mm. That information can be really hard to just find on the Internet. I mean, firms have really great articling student pages and you can kind of read through it. But having a conversation with someone is sometimes the best way to get that information. But mm. before you get to that conversation, it's really also really helpful to know what else is going on in the industry so that you can have a fruitful conversation and know what questions to ask. You know, it's kind of like I can Google it, but I don't know what to Google. It's the same kind of idea. You need to know what to ask. And so in order to know what to ask, you have to do the preliminary research to know what's going on in the industry uh, and what, what's, you know, what's happening, what's super exciting to people that are, that are working in the industry day to day. Yeah, exactly. And so I guess we could sort of transition into now, what goes into networking okay so we've established commercial awareness for the canadian you know young lawyer or student applicant for articles or or even summer positions is important Mm -hmm. um and you mentioned um you know if if you are attending an event and it's hosted by an organization or a firm you can look up the organization and the firm Mm -hmm. but but you don't necessarily know how to narrow things down to have um, a relatively free-flowing and natural conversation with somebody you want to get to know or you want to get to know you, you know, like, so So, what sort of things have you found, you know, personally helped in that regard? Yeah, and I think this goes a little bit to approach, um, and I'll go back to the UK for a second. In the UK, when you were asked these commercial awareness questions, you really felt like you had to know everything and you had to have all the answers or they weren't going to even think about you for an interview. That is not the case in Canada. I think that it's just about knowing enough to be able to ask educated questions. So if you're reading a case or you're reading something, uh, some news article about what happens in in the legal industry or in any industry that is adjacent to your legal industry, you don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to say, well, I have this opinion and I formed it and this is why Mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, you can if you want to, but it's just about knowing you know, as you're reading something, think about like, oh, what would I like to learn more about about this topic? What would I ask a lawyer if I was sitting down to coffee with them and having a conversation about this? What about this case don't I understand that I need clarification about? That's fine. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the expert in the room. There are people who've been practicing law for a lot longer than you've been alive, and they're going to know a lot more than you. So that's fine. It's just mm-hmm. more about being able to have to ask educated questions and to sound, you know, ask questions that are valuable and that that lawyer wants to engage with you on. You're asking questions that are of interest to them and they're going to be super excited to tell you about, oh yeah, I worked on a case that was, you know, that touched on that. Or, oh yeah, I read that article too and here's what I think about it. That's that's how you get an organic conversation flowing. It's not about saying, sitting a lawyer down and saying, here's what I know, I know everything and let me tell you. It's about being able to start a conversation on a note that is of interest to you and also of interest to the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think um, it's also worthwhile. I mean, given that we're internationally trained lawyers, and I mean, there was something made made clear to me in a in a webinar that I was taking part in a couple of weeks ago was that 
actually now internationally trained lawyers make up the majority mm. of people called to the bar annually in Canada. Wow. And yeah, and it's quite interesting. And it was put, it was phrased that international lawyers make up, quote unquote, the largest law school, you know, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I think is really important for, for them to understand is that point, you know, you're not, you're not going to be expected to be an expert in any field. I think um, the suggestion here is that you you learn enough to be conversational and to be open and excited to learn more. Yep. And if you're going to a networking session where you know people who have worked on particular matters or in particular industries, it's enough to be genuinely interested with mm -hmm. some talking points. And mm -hmm. I think that that shows through a lot better mm -hmm. from the other the other side's perspective rather than just sort of regurgitating facts yeah, and sure. you know the fact that you know the name of a judge um, yeah. <laughs> in a particular matter doesn't necessarily matter but yeah. if you show genuine interest that's that's the important thing to take yeah. away I think yeah approach it like a conversation not like you're writing an essay answer on a legal exam because it's yeah. not like that at all um, you yeah. know, knowing the judge's name is not going to impress anyone really um, you know but asking a productive question is for sure um, mm -hmm. and that kind of so and the same is true for interviews so your commercial awareness is also uh, important at the interview stage so once you've done the networking once you've done the application and you have the interview your knowledge is still useful um, mm -hmm. I remember being in a couple interviews I've interviewed a, a number of firms in, in Canada um, and you know there was there were some things that I I was really happy I'd done research on even though again they don't necessarily ask you questions in the interview like what do you think of this case or what have you read recently that's happened right. in this industry Nothing that's specific. not yeah, yeah it's never like that and I think in the UK that is a little bit more they have those like full days of, of like interview yeah. and then they ask like you all these camp. questions yeah exactly it's like Law a day camp. camp yeah yeah um <laughs> so we don't have that it's you know it's a 45 minute interview if that uh and they and they're really looking to to glean who you are as a person and whether you're going to fit into their firm um culturally but that doesn't mean you leave all your commercial knowledge at the door. Um, you can definitely weave it in gracefully into conversation to sort of bolster yourself as an educated and informed uh, candidate, which will be very impressive to them, even if they don't ask the questions. Um, yeah, and it, it's particularly interesting, I think, for internationally trained lawyers, as you said, Anton, that we are fairly or, or wrongly, we are seen as the second class students a lot of times or the second yeah. class candidates a lot of the time. Uh, and, and that's because, you know, we haven't got a law school in Canada and a, a lawyer sitting across the table from you is going to wonder, do they know enough to be able to help my clients? Do they know enough? Is, has the NCA process really taught them everything they need to know about Canadian right. law? Are they on par with a, with a law student? And so being able to, to integrate commercial awareness and prove that you are aware of what's going on in the industry you're trying to enter in the country you're trying to enter is mm -hmm. going to be really impressive to them and it's going to help them quell some of those concerns even if they aren't super conscious and up, up the top of mind for them they have them in the back of their mind and you being able to weave in um, commercial sort of knowledge into the conversation is going to help them understand that you are an engaged candidate who is aware of what's going on in Canada. Yeah exactly and I think that essentially touches all the points um, and speaks to the motivation of us in starting this Ooh, podcast, as we absolutely. mentioned at the beginning. I mean, that's exactly it. It's it's providing resources for, for law students or internationally trained lawyers with, you know, sometimes years or decades worth of practice, practice experience, just shedding a little bit of light on the Canadian legal industry, what's happening, and that can be invaluable 
yeah. um, in terms sure. of your your conversations and your your future interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say like there's a there's a pretty generic kind of question that a law firm could. I figure we could give an example here, and sure. Tiffany, since you've you've been through the the ringer, as it were, in terms of <laughs> law firm interviews, um, something that could seem on the surface to be quite simplistic might offer you an opportunity to perhaps inject some of this commercial awareness that we're talking about or industry knowledge. So if I were a partner in a firm and I asked you, you know, okay, hi, nice, nice to meet you, Tiffany. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are as a person? Yeah. And that's a great question because that is such an open-ended question. It gives you a platform to say whatever you want. And that is exactly the kind of question you can guarantee you're going to get asked in a, in a, in a sort of interview. That's kind of their opening question in almost all cases. And so if you prepare that ahead of time, you can, you can give a really graceful answer. Um, Obviously who you are as a person, you have to talk about, you know, the fact that you went to school in the UK and the fact that you, that you are now doing the NCAs or almost done the NCAs. You put all that academic stuff in, you also talk about if you have past work experience, where you worked, but then you get to the, at the end of it, I always put at the end of my who I am as a person um, interview or a question, I always put, and I'm interested in X industry, um, you know, I'm interested in the law that you work on or the, the cases that you work on because mm. I think it's important because like something like, and then you tie it back to Canada. I see this as an important issue in Canada. I remember interviewing for a tech law department at a firm. uh, Mm -hmm. And I specifically said, you know, I think that data privacy is very interesting in Canada right now. I think that it needs to develop and, you know, look at what's happening at the, in the sidewalk labs project in Toronto. And that obviously that project was still happening uh, when I, when I was interviewing, but, um, and that was that like immediately sparked that I was aware of, privacy law in Canada as a, as a general concept and then I was also able to tie it specifically to what was happening in Toronto which is where this firm was operating and probably has to deal with the sidewalk labs project in one way or another I don't know for sure if they ever worked on it but you know it probably they either had clients that were working on it or they were working on it you know it was quite a big big project and so that's just a really easy way to tie yourself to the industry and specifically geographically to wherever you're interviewing. And it's super, if you can do that gracefully and not make it sound forced, that's really impressive to a, to an interviewer. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's like you say, it's an easy way of doing it. If, if you're aware of the strategy, but it comes across as a really sophisticated answer. And and absolutely in being able to tie the profession and perhaps some some interesting knowledge to your own experience and your own thoughts and feelings um, is is really important. I think it adds a certain level of, you know, interest and intrigue in mm-hmm. in the interviewer's eyes. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you start the interview off on that foot, you know, you demonstrate a lot of things that you're an interesting person, you have a, a good legal education, and you're aware of what's going on in the industry. You have already ticked all of the major concerns uh, that anyone interviewing you have. Every every question after that is just deep diving into each of those areas. But you've set on the table that you have everything they're looking for. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's that's super awesome advice, <laughs> Tiffany. That's great. Uh, so I guess, I mean, in terms of looking at um, what students can look at or, or turn to, where they can turn to in mm-hmm. getting that commercial awareness um, perspective is is an interesting and it's it's actually a bit of a fragmented group of, of different places. Yeah. You can do it. Obviously, our podcast is the first 
stop. No, it's not, it, it is a stop. And I mean, yeah. I, I think I like to kind of separate these because I think there's a lot of different ways that you can mm -hmm. get valuable commercial awareness. Sure. So I kind of separate them into passive and immersive. Okay. And I think in, in terms of, while nothing's truly passive because you actually have to engage with materials, mm -hmm. there are resources available to you online like Canly, um, the Canadian Lawyer Magazine, Mm -hmm. um, their, their website is quite good in terms of providing updates, not only um, industry updates, but also they do a lot of interesting things like polling firms on mm -hmm. yeah. retention rates it. and things like that. So that gives you a really unique industry perspective too, yeah. like yeah. not only what is the industry doing in, in conceptual terms, but like practically speaking, what are these firms doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I would just add to that. So passive, I guess what you're categorizing passive is kind of stuff that you can read with a coffee in the morning to sort of get yourself Correct. up to speed every yeah, exactly. morning. I would add to that. So you've got a lot of legal um, publications there, which is great. I would also add to that just the news. Like honestly, yeah. reading yeah. the Globe and Mail or the National Post or the Toronto Star or whatever your preference is, or I actually read all of them because you want to mm -hmm. get sort of different perspectives on issues. They, their legal analysis of stuff is not always super in-depth, but they're telling you what's going on in the industry. Um, and so you saw, you know, you kind of saw a couple weeks ago when the R.V. Sullivan case happened, there was a lot of news coverage about that and people saying, like, oh, yeah. this is going to affect, you know, sexual assault cases going forward. And so having that, like, understanding what non-lawyers are saying about cases or about industry issues is also really important because it can help you when you're reading legal stuff, it can also help you kind of mirror what's going on in, in the rest of the world outside of law which is important because lawyers should be aware of what their clients think and not just what other lawyers think yeah um, so yeah that's what i would add to that that's a sure. great point and yeah. i think i mean you know taking obvious biases into yeah. <laughs> into perspective looking at, at the news as a socio-political gauge exactly if yep. If you're interested in, let's say, environmental law, mm -hmm. it would be really interesting to get a sense of, you know, how the Australian government is dealing with the fallout of their bushfires. Yep, exactly. um, you know, obviously the pandemic's taken over, but mm -hmm. I know that there are some coal mines in Australia that were being protested quite vehemently, um, mm -hmm. you know, people blocking streets in major city centers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of, so how does that affect policy? Mm -hmm. um, and you know how do how does climate change affect trade? You know, I, mm -hmm. I, there's a lot of things involved in that, and I think yeah, you can extrapolate sure. quite a bit. So I think that's a great point. Obviously, yeah, absolutely, checking in on the news is is important. And then I suppose the next sort of the other way of looking at receiving quality commercial awareness is in an immersive way, and that could be. Um, by, let's say, volunteering or shadowing mm -hmm. a lawyer or a firm. I know when I got back from the UK, I immediately jumped into whoever would speak to me, whatever lawyer, yep. in, in pretty much whatever discipline, to be quite honest. Sure, yeah. Um, so I was shadowing a criminal law lawyer in Brampton, Ontario. And I would go with him to the courts and I would go um, and, you know, just look, experience bail hearings and that sort of that sort of thing. And then through that, I got um, in touch with a family law lawyer. And so I would, you know, review case files and things like that. So it was really interesting. And and that kind of thing helps you, again, understand putting putting the practice of law in perspective and in real terms, because yeah. I think from law school, you can sort of get lost in yes. the black and white nature yeah. of law. Yep. And in, in practice, you realize that, um, you know, these are real people dealing yeah. with real clients um, who have 
you know, for instance, the family law lawyers said the one thing you have to remember is that every time you speak to somebody, they're going through the most difficult time of their yeah. life. Yeah. And and it's not something that you really, I mean, it. the relevance of case law in that respect doesn't matter yeah. Um, in, yeah. in so many ways. So that was a really interesting perspective for me to glean. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, even if it's not in your practice area or if it's not what you want to go into for the rest of your life, taking opportunities in different industries is super important because at some point they, they intersect. I mean, some more than others, but even if you're going to be an MNA lawyer and you take a, I don't know, like a land case or a, or a rental dispute case on some sort of volunteer basis, you know, you're going to learn about commercial real estate, maybe if it's a small business and that's going to help you later in your, in your practice, you're going to develop skills and knowledge that you think might be remote to what you actually want to do, but you're going to find your, yourself relying on those a lot more later on as you practice for sure. Sure. Yeah. The motivations of the clients and yeah, exactly. what, what they're looking for in lawyers is so important. And if you can use that experience in future interviews or even mm -hmm. in your future practice, um, your chosen area of practice, that's so valuable to yeah, have. For sure. Um, and then I guess just secondarily, secondary to that would be, you know, there's there's no shortage of groups, societies, organizations, not-for-profits, that, mm -hmm. that young lawyers, law students can join, obviously within their own institutions. I know in Canada, mm -hmm. there are a lot of societies, there are pre-law societies even for, for undergraduate students who are interested in maybe going to law school. You can join those and sort of learn um, from those societies, but also for internationally trained lawyers. I know Global Lawyers of Canada as an organization yep. has done an amazing job in doing weekly mentoring sessions where mm -hmm. they bring lawyers from many different practice areas and sort of the lawyers get an opportunity to speak about their journey and what they do and, you know, advice, tips, hints, things like that. Uh, really important, I think, to gain another perspective, further perspective. Yeah, for sure. No, it's just, and like Global Lawyers of Canada specifically, you know, they publish um, a blog also that has regular kind of updates on what's going on in the industry. Um, so they're super, super great. Yeah, uh, actually, I was, I was, I should probably say Global Lawyers of Canada would be a valuable resource for students who are studying law in Canada as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, they're, they're that good yeah. at what they're doing right now. And I know their membership has skyrocketed, and that's for good reason. They're doing an amazing job in, in giving people access to commercial awareness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're a great organization. And then, of course, we have our podcast, right? So let's, uh, we should talk a little bit more about where this is going sure. and what it's going. I mean, the reason we decided to podcast instead of, you know, another blog or something else is because we recognize that law students, you, you've already listed a ton, a ton of things for people to read uh, and, and do. Yeah. And so, you know, a podcast can be something you can listen to a little bit more on the go, you know, during your commute, while you're cooking, while you're cleaning. It doesn't require you to sit down and dedicate a lot of time to it and we hope that that can be a useful format for people to use as well uh, in addition to all of the other things that, that you've mentioned Anton that you've, you've pulled together which is really great yeah yeah I think that the aim of the podcast is is to fall squarely in that passive category yeah where you know you have the opportunity if you if you have an opportunity some free time when you're not studying or when you're not working on a case to to listen uh, I think we, we're planning to do a lot of industry-related interviewing yes. um, of, of lawyers, legal practitioners, um, and, and for some, some business owners and things like that to get their perspective on legal matters. And I, I think we'd, we'd like to do as many as possible. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and across as many industries as possible. So we're yeah. hoping to, obviously, you and I have our own individual interests, and that's probably what we'll start out with. But I think that the, the idea will be to, um, to, to make this a place for people who are interested in any sort of sector or any um, practice area to come and get information. And like I said, you don't need to focus in on your practice area specifically. Sometimes it's helpful to know about what's going on in other practice areas. So we're going to kind of be a perfect blend of all of that, hopefully, for, for our listeners. That's the ambition, Tiffany. Yes, that's the <laughs> that's plan. The that's the plan. <laughs> and um, obviously, I think we want to make this as, you know, as open a podcast as possible and as accessible as possible. So uh, eventually we'll, we'll perhaps set up some social media and allow people to interact and allow, you know, if we're able to get a guest, allow people to perhaps suggest questions or even ask us questions or Absolutely. suggest suggests uh you know things to discuss um so we, we'd like to have as much participation from the audience as possible yeah. and in the meantime um while we don't have social media set up dedicated to the podcast happy to reach out to me on twitter i am tiff at law t-i-f-f-a-t-l-a-w on twitter uh and obviously you can find me on the blog too and email me through the blog um i'm, I'm happy to field those for now until we have sort of set up the podcast in its own social media right and yeah, on that note, uh, we want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to episode one, Commercial Awareness. What is it and why is it important? And um, I think that theme will be uh, woven throughout a lot of our, our future podcasts and interviews in trying to arm the young lawyers and law students of Canada and abroad um, to have them learn a little bit more about the Canadian legal industry and um, the goings-on within the, the legal um, profession in Canada. For sure. Great. I'm excited. Thanks, Antoine. Thank you, Tiffany. Yeah, we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Sidebar aims to provide useful and relevant commentary on developing legal issues, but is by no means a definitive source of information on the law or any other subject matter presented. Nothing discussed in this podcast constitutes legal advice or gives rise to a solicitor-client relationship. Specialist legal advice should be sought in relation to specific circumstances. Finally, whilst we endeavor to ensure that the information presented is correct, no warranty, express or implied, is made as to the accuracy of this podcast content, and we do not accept any liability for error or omission.